You're listening to the Mosaic Podcast, brought to you by Jewish Federation of Palm Beach County. Each episode of this podcast will offer you excerpts from the Mosaic TV news magazine, which airs Sunday from January to April in the Palm Beaches. Mosaic explores the most pressing issues facing the Jewish community here at home and around the world. And now, here's your host, Susan Shulman Pertnoy. We're here today on location at the Mandel JCC of the Palm Beaches, and joining us is the president and CEO, Jesse Rosen. Jesse, welcome back to Mosaic. Great to be with you. For those viewers who really don't know what the JCC is all about, can you give us an overview? It's actually really simple. Since 1974, the Mandel JCC has been here to build community. Our job, our mission, our reason for getting out of bed in the morning is to find different ways to build community and whatever that means to different people. We really have tried to focus what we do into four distinct pillars. Right now, if it doesn't fit into those four boxes, we're really letting somebody else do it and trying to do things that we do better than anybody else. Uh, the four pillars that we really focus on are special needs. Our special needs population has, has a lot of programming opportunities that we really can serve. It's young families, so it's a preschool and camp and activities for our youngest community members and their families. It's our more mature adults, and really we serve them through arts and culture. We do film festivals and book events and things that really engage their brains. And uh, teens, teen engagement. You know, we have so many new people moving to the community and, and working with tweens and teens is really the fourth leg of, of what we do every day. How did the JCC navigate through the pandemic and, and how are you mo doing moving forward? I'm really proud of our team. We, we have an amazing team of professional staff um, that, that from the day we closed our doors in, in March of 2020, it was all about what can we do today to provide a safe environment for the families we serve and how do we look towards tomorrow, whenever that tomorrow is where COVID is a thing of the past. And what we've been really proud of is the way we pivot. We, we pivot on a regular basis. We changed protocols as, as recently as a couple weeks ago. And we built a trust with our families and with our community that whatever we were doing, they knew that safety was our top priority. We were able to serve families from the very beginning of COVID when they couldn't go to school. Parents could still go to work, bring their kids to us, and we would let them do their distance learning from our JCC. We upgraded our internet so that we could have 100 kids at a time getting on to virtual learning. And so we found unique ways that nobody had thought of. We were one of the first in the country to open up our doors for that, for that all day at the J programming because our families needed it. And, and one thing that you'll find about JCCs is we adapt and change. It's, it's really to meet the ever-changing needs of the community. And in COVID, they've changed faster than ever. You do so much in the community, but why are preschools and the camps so vital to the JCC? Partly because it's the most fun. It is absolutely the most fun place. If you come and watch our kids in, in either preschool or camp, they're always got a smile on their face. And that's really why I like to say we do it. But the truth is there's research that shows that children who have a meaningful experience in preschool or day camp or overnight camp exponentially lead a Jewish life as adults uh, way more than those that don't. And so I really see it as our ability to help ensure the future of the Jewish people by providing those opportunities now for children to automatically be predisposed to be actively Jewish throughout their whole lives. Talk about your teachers and how do you retain them? I know it's very difficult. You know, our teachers, I say all of our staff are created equal, but some are more equal than others, and there's nobody more equal than our, than our educators. 
we it's a hard job i mean they're taking they're taking care of children as young as as, as a few months old up until up until four or five years old and pre-pandemic we had really great staff who who loved being here and the economy has just changed a little bit and one of the challenges that we've had to face is for generations preschool teachers around the country especially jewish preschool teachers were typically a second income in a home and it was a way for traditionally the mom the you know the wife to socialize and be with kids and other moms and and work some now it's really morphed into a profession and this is the primary income for our staff. And so the wages historically have not kept up. And so where we're really fighting from behind is that we have, over the last, since pandemic, have been losing people to places like Starbucks and Aldi's and other, um, what I would call, more entry-level jobs. And we really want to invest in our program because what I promise these parents is the best-in-class care. And to have that, we have to have the best-in-class teachers. And to do that, we have to pay them a wage that, that is commensurate with the work they do. How is our Jewish Federation assisting you with this effort? It is a, it is a challenge, you know, because everybody's budget is tight. And, and finances, you know, the need has never been greater for, for care. And so our partners at the Jewish Federation have helped us look at local funding from, from some very generous donors. We've looked at some local and national foundation money that we can try to find, but it's really a, a systemic problem nationally that we're really leading in Palm Beach by trying to find solutions now that are sustainable. It's really easy, it's easier to find one-time money. We can go to a donor and say, please, can you help us over this one hurdle? But this is a paradigm shift that forever we're gonna have to invest differently into our staff and the community's right on board. As they should be. This is really critical. Uh, I know you have a lot of parents that need scholarship. Has the pandemic increased that need? This community is incredibly generous and we have seen scholarships for families forever. That's part of who we are and what we do. We have a very strong belief that no child or no participant should, should not be able to be here because they can't afford it. And likewise, everybody has to have some skin in the game. We never give 100% scholarship, but we have seen the need since pandemic and all of our programs go up. I, I think it's a combination of uh, inflation. I think it's a combination of job change. I think there's a lot of new people in the community and we have seen through almost all of our programs, th the need has gone up and even more so this year, which really surprised me a little bit that you know people think the pandemic's over and everything's back to normal. But as we're preparing for camp, we're seeing the need higher than ever we're asking our donors to help us create meaningful experiences for these kids to create magic at camp over the summer. Well, speaking of camp, we're going to talk all about it, but we first have to take a brief message. We'll be right back. Coming up, we learn how the JCC is creating a more inclusive community. Mosaic is brought to you through the dedication of generous corporate sponsors who fuel the work of Jewish Federation of Palm Beach County. We thank American Commercial Realty, Appleby Utifriend Wealth Management, Raymond Motorcars, Bruce Gendelman Insurance Services, Commodore, Singer, Baseman, and Braun Attorneys, First Republic Bank, Rogers Design Group, and Shapiro Pertnoy Companies.
Joining us now is Samantha Klein, the Managing Director of the Mandel JCC. Sam, welcome to Mosaic. Thank you. Is this the first time you've been on the show? It is. I'm excited. Wow. Well, we're thrilled to have you. I know you've been with the JCC for over 10 years, so you know all about camp. What <laughs> makes it so special? I think what makes Camp Shalom so special is that every day is different than the next and better. Um, we're always doing the next best thing. Our camp directors are extremely creative. A couple of years ago, we added a Ninja Warrior course to our campus. And last year, we added boating to our, to our campus. And our camp directors are constantly trying to make every day different, whether it's an impromptu ice cream social or a foam party. Uh, when you come to Camp Shalom, every day is different and better. You've served most of Palm Beach County and children of all, all faiths. So tell us about some of the other options that you, that you do. Sure. Well, Camp Shalom is open to ages 2 through grade 8. And then we have our counselor and training program for 9th and 10th graders. Um, we do a sports camp. We do a traditional camp. And we do a camp for those with special needs for ages up to 22. And then in our Boynton Beach campus, we have a couple of specialty programs, theater and filmmaking. Camp Shalom takes pride in bringing Israel to the campers, and you provide emissaries, or shlichim as they're called, from Israel. Talk about that program. Yeah, it's, we love that program. It's a way for us to bring Israel to camp in a little bit more, um, in not such a professional sense. It's a little bit more social. They're, in, they're included as counselors in our, in our camp groups. Um, they'll teach whatever their skills are they bring to camp so if they're a cooking specialist they'll be our cooking counselor for the summer or if they're a soccer you know if they're really into soccer they'll bring soccer skills to camp so it's our way of kind of integrating into camp so that the kids get to know them get to know a little bit about Israel in a just uh, a more natural setting. And it really becomes a two-way street. We've seen, uh, I just heard that one of our Shlichim is coming back this summer for her third summer. Not because she has to, but because this has become her second home. I know in other places we've had uh, families go to Israel for their weddings and they'll come here and these, they really build a bond that's way more than just camp. That, that's really something very extraordinary. How do you choose these Shlichim? So there's, a, there's an interview process through the Jewish Agency in Israel and our staff you know, in the olden days, pre-pandemic, staff would go to Israel and do interviews. But now in the Zoom world, you know, in the recent weeks, they've been interviewing uh, Shlichim from all over Israel and trying to find the ones who are exactly the right fit for our community. It's, it's fabulous to be able to expose them to the campers absolutely. to a little bit of Israel. Do yeah, you many of them have never been to Israel before and have absolutely no, no idea about anything. So they kind of... Um, one year we had our Shlahim that kind of showed them the map of Israel, showed them where they lived, showed them the culture, and was really um, was really able to teach them a lot. It just it makes it more real. I mean, it's right in front of them instead of this you know theoretical thing in the movies or on TV. Are they are they teens as well, or are they? The, the, most of the ones that come are, are a little bit older. They're right before their army service, uh, I think, is when they come. So in that 19 to 20 you know year range. And do they stay with host families, or what, how do you? They do. do. We have host families that typically are um, our counts, our campers' parents. That also they'll stay with them for a week or two weeks at a time. Well, it's an enriching experience, as you said earlier, for them as well. Yeah, Absolutely. that's terrific. How has the pandemic affected camp and and um, your enrollment? So surprisingly, camp enrollment is at its peak. Uh, we have more campers than ever. Um, I think that certainly during the pandemic, we were able to open our doors when nobody else was. And so we really 
got a lot more campers than we typically would from all over, like Jesse said earlier. And um, and now they keep coming. You know, once once you're in the doors, we sell you, and you never want to leave. So now that uh, we're coming to a little bit more of normalcy, uh, people are coming back from all all counties, and um, we're actually sold out right now. And typically in some wow. age groups, and um, and typically that doesn't even happen until closer to camp time. And we're seeing kids take more weeks. We sell it by the week. We try to really sell to what our customers want because they may go out of town for this week or this week, and they don't want to pay for the whole summer. But we are seeing that that families are taking more weeks per child, so they're getting more care, whether it's they need to or just because they love us. They probably love you, of course. Sam, you are offering for the first time a very special aspect to camp. I'm not even going to divulge it. I want you to have the pleasure. I am so excited about this new program. We're calling it J-Nights, and it's actually the first of its kind in North Palm Beach. Um, it is a Monday through Friday overnight experience where they will participate in Camp Shalom during the day and then we'll bus them to the FAU campus in Jupiter for the night. And so they will sleep there, they'll have evening programs, they'll eat, shower, be with their friends and hang out, and then we'll bus them the next morning back to Camp Shalom. And they'll do that Monday through Friday. They'll get picked up by their families on Friday, enjoy the weekend with them, and then return on Monday. And it's a really exciting opportunity. It's something we've never done. And like I said, it, it's brand new in the area. Um, and it just is, it's good for two reasons. It's really a stepping stone for those that maybe want to try sleepaway camp later on and want to, and want to see if it's for them. And then there's those kids that never really want to go away for the whole summer, but this allows them to have that overnight experience and then have the safety of, you know, being home and with their family on the weekend. That was one of my kids. <laughs> what, what I'm really proud of is, is this is an idea that our team just came up with. They brought it to me one day and said, hey, what do you think? And I said, this is exactly what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to find the new thing that this community needs and figure out a way to do it better than anybody else. Joining us now are John Cabot, who's the Mandel JCC's Director of Inclusion, and Lori Wasserman Sturgis, who's a parent of a JCC child. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. John, let's start with you. I know our JCC special needs program is unique, but tell us why. So in the last several years, we've really made a change in the focus of our special needs program from a more respite-based child care facility where it was drop your child off for a day, come spend the summer with us, and not so much get intervention, but have a safe place to play and have fun. And we really shifted from that to intervention-based model where when our kids are starting in preschool, they're getting gold standard early intervention, which research says is the best way to make long-term change when they come to camp, they're in program that's working on social skills, life skills, and further development. And there's not a wasted minute. When our kids are with us, they are fully engaged throughout the day, learning these critical skills to carry on to the next environment. Why is inclusion so important? So what the current research is saying is that children learn best from their neurotypically developing peers. So the old model that most places are still using is called self-contained where it's a classroom or a camp group full of children with exceptionalities. And what we're learning is kids who have a deficit in social skills being put in a room with all other kids who have the same deficit, they're not making the progress we need to see. If it's a child who has a deficit in communication skills and there are around eight other kids who are nonverbal, we're not seeing the increase in communication. So by shifting to an inclusion model, we're getting them around peers that have the skills that they need to replicate. They're learning the skills faster, more successfully, and what's actually really nice to see is it's not just the benefit for our children with exceptionalities, our typically developing peers are becoming better communicators, so they learn to communicate with all types of learners. 
they're becoming more empathetic and their social skills are increasing as well. So the benefit goes both ways. It's, it's remarkable, it really is. <laughs> Lori, mm. tell us about your journey with your daughter and how you chose our JCC. Well, um, my daughter, we, she had a speech delay initially, which we knew. Um, and she was at another preschool and they just didn't know how to reach her. They didn't know how to deal with her, how to deal, how to redirect her. And what would end up happening is that while all the other kids were sitting in circle time, they would just let her go play in the corner someplace by herself. And it was, it was terrible. So when we pulled her out, COVID hit. Oh boy. And we're like, my husband and I discussed actually having her, because I thought it was time to have her evaluated. And she was evaluated by Dr. Judith Aronson Ramos, who's very well known for autism. And she was the person who told us we should look into the JCC in Boynton. Because at the time, my husband and I were lost. We didn't know what school was going to take her because she's very high functioning. She just has a speech delay. But in doing that, you can't really get information from her. It's, you know, they didn't, if you don't know what you're doing, you don't know how to connect. Correct. Right. So when we first found the JCC in Boynton, I was skeptical, to say the least. I know. And as soon as we met John, Sydney took to him right away, took to the school right away. And hearing his story about his own family, we just knew we were where we were supposed to be. And it's been such an incredible experience for her. Can you tell us a little bit about her experience and how she's progressed? Absolutely. She's, um, she's a different child. Like when we first brought her in to meet him, we were talking, it's, it's a little joke we have. She couldn't focus. And my husband and I used to look at each other and go, squirrel. <laughs> You know, that, that joke about having the attention span of a squirrel. And now she focuses, she does her classwork, she participates in class, she has friends. That's remarkable. She has best friends. Um, she's so social and she's at the top of her class. She is a different child. Her communication is different. She's direct, she's talking. And this is all within the past how many Not years? Not even a year. Oh my goodness, what a remarkable program. Yeah. We would be lost without them, honest to God. John, what's your secret sauce? How do you do this? We did a few things that really made these results possible. And when I came on, I was very lucky to have the full backing of the JCC leadership to do something that's never really been done at a JCC before. I, we talked about my brother earlier. We were the family that when he received the diagnosis, we were told, you can either have early intervention or you can have early childhood Jewish education. You can't have both. And Judaism was close to us for many years. When it was time to get a bar mitzvah, no synagogue would allow him to go through. We finally convinced Ashul to do it. It had to be on a Monday when no other child was getting bar mitzvah. Only our family was allowed to be there. And we didn't want that for any other family. And Jesse and the team said, do what you need to do to keep other families from feeling that experience. And we were able to bring on two amazing special educators who spent about 15 to 20 years apiece in the ESE world doing early intervention. And these are people who their last jobs 
we're training 315 teachers, 600 teachers assistants, and working with 4,500 kids with special needs in the preschool world. And they were brought on just to be teachers in this program. And putting that experience and having staff who spoke the language, knew what to do, and were brought into the early childhood Jewish department, we're able to combine the best of both worlds where our kids are now getting top of the line early intervention. They're getting all the same program and they would get going to a clinic just for children with autism, but they're getting it in an inclusion-based room with typically developing peers that's only increasing the results that they're getting. And given such high-level staff in a classroom and really focusing on teacher training, we're working on not just these two rooms, but bringing the training to the rest of our teachers so that every room is an inclusion-based room that's setting every child up for success has really been what has set us apart from other programs. John, what are the costs of raising a child with unique abilities? So the current numbers right now say that for a young child with autism going through age five, there's an additional cost of $60,000 per year on top of what it is to raise any child. And that's a combination of added therapies, added tuition, and then lost income from parents' inability to hold a full-time job because they have to get their children to all of these therapies. So you're adding a net loss of $60,000 on top of everything else that you're already paying for a child. Wow, Lori, how does a young family like yours handle that? Uh, well, you know, having the JCC's program in place has made a tremendous difference because inside of her school environment and the money that we would already be paying for preschool, we have a teacher and teacher's assistants who have 10 plus years experience with these kids. So it really does help in how much therapy she needs, how much help she gets. And the gains that she makes are exponential because you have somebody that knows how to interact with her, somebody who knows how to redirect if there's a problem, somebody who knows how to communicate and get the point across. And it's, it's, it's been a relief. It's been such a relief to have them and to have Mr. John and John Cabot, there are two Johns, there and able to work with her because it does, it, it takes away the need for certain things. Jesse, what about scholarship opportunities for these, this program? You know, you, you hear Lori's story and Sydney's story and it just reiterates to me why we do what we do, that, that we never want a family to have the financial stress be why this type of program is available to them. So. We work really hard to offer scholarship to families that need it. It's need-based scholarship that our, our individual donors in the community support. There's no money that falls out of the sky. Mm -hmm. This is hard-earned dollars of our amazing donors that change these lives. And, and it's our honor to do it. And we're really just the go-between that, that makes it possible. Well, I really appreciate the fact that you've taken the time to talk to us today and that you've shared your story. And thank you for all the remarkable work that you do. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mosaic Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe to Mosaic on your favorite streaming platform and to leave us a review. Want more? Visit jewishpb.org mosaic where you can access full episodes of the show. To stay connected with the Jewish community of the Palm Beaches, visit jewishpb.org or follow Jewish Federation at facebook.com slash jewishpalmbeach.